Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. You are listening to Stagecraft, Variety's theater podcast. I'm your host, Variety's theater editor, Gordon Cox. In 1983, Harvey Firestein won a Tony Award for Best Play and another for Best Actor for the play he wrote and starred in, Torch Song Trilogy. A 1988 movie adaptation, which also starred a young Matthew Broderick, cemented the play's status as an unflinching, warm, and funny landmark in gay theater. Now, Firestein has rewritten and condensed the play, and the new version, now called simply Torch Song, is debuting off-Broadway at Second Stage Theater in a production that stars Michael Urie, who spent four seasons on Ugly Betty and has appeared on stage in New York in shows including Buyer and Seller and, most recently, The Government Inspector. On this episode of Stagecraft, Harvey and Michael are in the studio with me to talk about Torch Song and more. Harvey and Michael, thanks for joining me. Thank you. Um, Harvey, let's start uh, by talking about the impetus behind this new version of Torch Song. What prompted you to go back and work on it? Who told you I was impotent? <laughs> it was a non-disclosure. I, they signed a non-disclosure. Those they, don't matter anymore. I, they no, yeah, they, they don't up. matter anymore. <laughs> they don't matter. What happened? Okay, so for years, people have wanted to, to revive towards something. I haven't let it be done because, frankly, I wanted to stay far enough away from AIDS where, um, you, you, you know, my feeling has always been that, that um, obviously, AIDS is a disease, and I hate that the gay community has been uh, labeled with it as if a disease uh, defines who we are. And, and, and though obviously I, I think it's a very important cause and I'm obviously in the middle of the fight and have been, I didn't want Tort Song colored that way. Um, there were people when the movie came out that said, why didn't you put AIDS in it? Because AIDS isn't everything. Anyway, so I, I just, so I sort of, and then, and then over the years, um, a lot of companies have, have asked for permission to do Act 1 and Act 3 or Act 2 and Act 3 or even do Act 1. And I'd say, why? And they, we don't have the wherewithal to do four hours. And I always thought, you know, I got to come up with a way because the plays are written to be done anywhere. I mean, you need a couple of chairs. I mean, you really can do the play with a couple of chairs. And I, but, but the length seemed to be holding people back. So, so all of this has always been going on in my mind. Like, how do I get it down to? so that everybody can do it. So that was always in the back of my mind. And I did finally come up with an edit that I liked. And then we sort of looked around for a theater and then, and there were a bunch of theaters. We said, okay. And then we, and then you got to find your Arnold. And we did a couple of readings, no names. That's in the non-disclosure <laughs> and um, just didn't work. And you can tell right away. I mean, it's like one of those funny things. It's either that connection happens or it doesn't. And then um, um, Richie said that Michael wanted to do, reading but it came through some who did it come through well love? richie came to me this is richie jackson richie jackson who, came to me who is personally who is your is he still your manager or how what, what's his yeah. title now it's his that based yeah he was my assistant when he was 18 years old oh wow and i was doing the movie of tort song he's now my manager i think but he's also <laughs> but he's also the producer of of tort song at, right. at second stage so he and you knew him because i knew him from around just from socially from around yeah. from socially yeah, and disclosure <laughs> and he reached out to me but and said what do you think about tort song oh, so and, it wasn't your idea no 
But when he did that, I said, you won't believe this, but someone else reached out to me about Torch Song, Moise S. Kaufman. They reached out to me oh, independently. Wow. Totally. Oh, because I had never in a, million, a million years thought that I could play this part. I knew the play very well and loved it. I read it when I was in high school and I thought it was amazing. I just never thought that anybody would want me to play the role. And here these two guys came, came along separately. and I, So I put them together. Right, and then, they and, then, so they, and then so we did a reading. We put together a cast, and we did a reading, and it was abundantly clear two or three minutes into it that you know I had already signed off. I could have gone to Coney Island and written, written a couple of rides, and um, <laughs> and then it was a matter of you know putting everything else together because his schedule is you know he's a very big star. I know, I know. He's like he does television, yeah, <laughs> and benefits. Yeah. All those things. And, cabaret, and, then, and his cabaret work is world known. Yeah. <laughs> well, and so, Michael, I imagine you must get this question from everyone, which is how do you step into a role that is so closely associated with the actor who originated it and with now the well-known personality who originated it, right? right? Well, like, I've, how do thought, you... I've thought a lot about that because it, it – it bec- and I think part of the reason it, it I was able to is because of the way that it came to me because I didn't – I didn't. I didn't seek it out. I didn't think of it until somebody said, "What about you?" And so, I I think it gave me a freedom to trust that whatever I was going to try was was what they had in mind, or or what or what they saw in me that made them think that that I could do it. And I had the luxury of just reading the whole play for Harvey instead of having to do an audition, which is, I mean, auditions are the worst thing in the world for any actor to have to go through ever at all. And the idea that like I would be given a few scenes to perfect and then bring in and present was like that. I I wouldn't have gotten it if it, if I'd had to audition in a a proper, you know, a proper way. But because my audition was to read the whole play and fail and succeed throughout you know like when you do a reading of a whole play you mess up here you get it right here you mess up there you get it right there but you get to do the whole arc and by the end of it you're like and and i think that because of that i was able to forgive myself every time i didn't get something you know exactly right whereas in an audition as soon as you make a mistake you're like well that's it it's over and it kind of is i mean it's like that's kind of what happens in an audition you have to be perfect it's so bizarre even though especially with a play you're not auditioning for opening night you're auditioning for the first day of rehearsal Um, but with this play i think uh, uh, it's not a matter of even being a good actor. I've, I've seen a lot of really good actors fail in Torch Song. I mean, mm. remember how many actors I've seen do this role? And mm. I've seen a lot. I mean, I had, you know, we ran for five years on Broadway and there were understudies and there was, we had, those were the days when you could actually tour a show. I mean, we had a first national and a bus and truck. A bus and truck of a play. <laughs> That's insane. A bus and wow. truck. That, that was happen. out for two years. What? A wow. bus and truck of Torch Song trilogy out for two years, a four hour gay play. Wow. The back rooms I created around America. <laughs> <laughs> but, wow. but, so I saw a lot of actors do it wonderfully and badly. But there's it's 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 an inhabiting of the role, and it's what the role does for the actor, and act does for the role. And you'll have to ask Michael about that. Uh, but but it's uh, there's a marriage that has to be made there, and there's something that comes up in your soul because something very strange. And I was trying to explain it to Michael last night because um, last night I sat in the middle instead of sitting in the back. And there's a very strange thing that happens when Tort Song works. And it's the audience has an ownership of it. 
and an ownership of those characters. And it's almost creepy mm. how much they care, how much they care of how these people treat each other, what happens to them, what's said between them. And I mean, it's, it's very, mm. a beautiful thing, but that only happens if you are able to give enough of yourself that, well, you talk about what well, it's like uh, to play it. Yeah, Michael, how much do you keep, or did you, as you were crafting the character, how much did you keep in mind knowing Harvey and who he was and, you know, everything you know about Harvey with also creating your own take on it? Like, what right. was that balance for you? Well, you know, he's always there. Not physically, literally there in the room, but, like, his, he's there. And he's in your head and in your ear in a good way, not in a, not in a, an oppressive way and in a, in a, that spirit, his spirit is the play. I mean, it is a play. I mean, you could see sitting here with him. He's like, if love, love, he's love. And the play is love and family. And, and, you know, I mean, he's the kind of person who, who makes a stranger feel like they've known him for 20 years. And well, they don't take off their clothes. <laughs> Paging Mr. Firestein, but they don't. But but that's and that's and that's what I think he's talking about with the way the audience feels about the characters too. The characters feel like family to them. I mean, it's a, it's really a play about love and family, and that that I think the characters become family to the audience, and that's why they. I mean, the way that they react to to how we treat each other, not just when they laugh, but when they groan or when they gasp or or when they sigh you can you can hear them oh you know you and oh, you hear all of that stuff and and none of that was planned we didn't intend to get any of that out of them we were just trying to figure out how to do it how to how to, how to tell the truth and listen to each other and i think so in terms of of you know shaking the harvey i i never tried to do that i knew that there was no way i could do the Harvey. I knew. I knew that that it, it would have to be. I knew that I would have to attack Arnold from within me and use myself and as a vessel and not try to be something else. Not try to you know that. And and audiences they wouldn't want me to be that anyway. I mean, and 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 so many people who come to see it saw him, of right, course, right, and remember it vividly and it changed their lives or you know or or. Um, you know, they saw it six times, seven times. They saw it with several different people, and 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 I can feel that they they don't want me to do, you know, a, a, an imitation or or uh, you know, they don't want me to invoke what he did. They want me to tell this story again, and 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 I, and I was absolutely given license from the very beginning to to just go from within, and I was lucky enough to have the 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 Bible around, you know. The, the the encyclopedia the of author the himself the yeah. author himself yeah sorry I'm gesturing to yeah. him um, <laughs> it's great on the radio yeah. <laughs> your gestures no, they, they really read beautifully <laughs> it's somebody who not only like came up with it but who played it so and who is an actor and knows how to talk to actors so right. So like well, uh, you know, I had a question. What what did he tell you that was really helpful? What did Harvey tell you, Michael? That was well, really the, helpful. The, the thing that I go back to always is the first thing he said. Look at his face. Yeah, I, <laughs> first thing well, I wish you guys so could hard, see it, listeners. I tried so hard to, to to you know make that relationship between Moises and you. Yes, which is which is a different. Re- I mean, which is like yeah. I mean, he, he, it's like you know, Moises is. Moises, by the way, we should director, just say for yeah. people who don't know, he's the director. He directed the Laramie Project and many, many other things. Yeah, yeah. I am my own Sorry, wife. He, I am my own wife. And, yes, and, of course, and 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 vastly different things. Yes. But yeah. uh, you know what? What what would he and I do is you know make the play, and and he and he 
gets me where he needs me to tell the story. He's like, he's a master storyteller. And, and so for him, it's really about the story and, and how I fit within the story. And, and that's how he helps me. And, and, and then when, when I would need help with the th- kinds of things that I would need help from Harvey are, you know, like, I think the biggest question I ever said was, why do I love this guy? Mm. And, and, and his answer, I mean, I, I sort of don't want to say it because it's, it's very personal, but his answer made, it made total sense. And, mm. and, and it was playable. That's the other thing. It's like that an actor can, can do to another, to, an actor can tell another actor something that is playable. And, and it, and it wasn't, this is how I did it, which is not helpful because like, I couldn't do it. You know, I could, I can't get into it the same way that he would get into it. I wouldn't know where to begin. Like it just instinctually, you can't do that. But like, uh, but the, the, the first thing he said that was so impactful at the, at the first rehearsal to everybody, to the entire room, um, you know, designers, interns, ticket takers, the entire, you know, the meet and greet. He said, if this play doesn't embarrass you, you're not doing it right, which embarrassed me. Uh, <laughs> everyone looked at me. <laughs> you know. it's, very, it's, a very, it's a very bearing thing yeah. if you're not if you're not embarrassed to say some of the stuff that you say. Yeah, because it's a young play. I mean, it's a well, that's interesting. It's like where you really when you're really so raw. But the the thing that he had to fight, what what all of them in the play have to fight, that nobody would really think of is the difference of 35 years ago in attitudes to take yourself back to a time when. I mean, I, I, I thought the play would. I I thought the play would feel a lot more dated than it does, and it doesn't. Feel, I mean, it's like, boy, does it not feel. Dated. Did you do anything other than make cuts to the show? Did you, okay, no, so you just, just streamlined. Just, wow, just edits. Yeah. You guys touched on something that I actually wanted to ask about because it seems like Torch Song is at the start of a season that has Angels in America coming in, and uh, there's a new production of Bands Visit coming in, and you mean it, Boys in the Band? Boys I'm sorry. <laughs> Excuse me. There's a new production of Bands Visit, which is a different yes, thing entirely. Totally. What I mean is Boys in the Band and uh, and M Butterfly and M Butterfly. That's true. And I feel yeah. like there has been an impetus to kind of look at these shows that have become kind of landmarks of gay thinking about gay identity and gay history. And I just wonder what it sort of chimes with both Richie and Moises bringing you the play at the same time. What is it right now that do you feel like drives people to look at these again and kind of reexamine them? I I don't know. You know, I've always, I've always pushed for, for doing our plays because without your history, where are you? And, and so much of our history is buried because we're not blood relatives because we come out of every different family. So it's not like you can say these are those people. Um, and especially, I mean, this is not even ghettos anymore. You know, gay ghettos hardly exist. Uh, I remember uh, uh, being on tour in, in Dublin. I, they said, what do you want to do on the night off? I said, oh, let's go to a gay bar. They said, we don't have gay bars here. It's legal to be gay here. You don't have to live in, in, in ghettos anymore, which was such a shock to me. That was... 20-something years ago. So I feel the same way. I, you know, I, I produced three productions of The Haunted Host, which was a play that was done five years before Boys in the Band. Um, I, I acted in a play called The Madness of Lady Bright that Lambert Wilson wrote. You know, that was a very early gay play. Uh, you know, um, I, I designed Staircase once, which was Charles Dyer's gay play. Yeah. Um, Richie Burton and Rex Harrison did the movie. Wow. Oh my God, is that terrible? Um, <laughs> but but I, I think I think our history is a really important thing. So when and I'm very friendly with Joe Mantello. So when he told, I, you know, obviously we talked about it, he was going to do Boys in the Band, I was going to do Torch Song, and I said, 
I said, what would be wonderful is if we all banded together, like, look at us. I said, instead, they're going to come and say, well, I like this one better. And they're going to judge us and scale, put us on a scale, which is really horrible, rather than say, look at us. We're, we're, it's like this festival of, yeah. of remembering our history. But it's a good time to do that because we did come through this really dark piece of history. And these kids need to understand um, Carol Rothman, the, the producer, yeah, the artistic, artistic director, director of she stage. told me, because I asked, I, you know, because a lot of our audience at this moment is donors and stuff like that, patrons, mm-hmm. and I said, I want to know what young people are saying. And she said, what I hear from them is a lot of them that didn't know anything about the play at all think it's a new play <sighs> about that period. Mm-hmm. They don't, you know, wow. they, 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 they don't see anything aged in it or which is really wonderful. And the first play was written, what, 78, was it? It was late Shut 70s, up. right? I beg your pardon. It was last Shut week? Up. Last week? <laughs> now. Yeah, it was written, no, the, the back room scene was written mm. in 75. Oh, wow. Is that the first scene you wrote? Yeah, I did it as a one. I did it on as, at its, uh, at, I did by not itself. know that. As, yeah, the Crystal Field Theater of the New City yeah, called sure. me and said, I, I want to do a woman at Play Festival for the Bicentennial. You want to do one? And I said, okay, I'll write something. And I wrote the back room scene, performed it. It was a big hit. How shocking was that back then? Was it that this is to to explain to listeners? It is a scene that takes place in the back room of a gay bar where it, show them how it's done. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't work <laughs> already. <laughs> <you know. laughs> There's a lot of physical comedy. Let's Very say mime yes. is, yeah, a lot. There's a lot of uh, miming. Uh, that, there's it's just one actor on stage. It should, it should be um, uh, last week in the back of the house there were 25 girls from a Catholic school in oh. New Zealand. Wow. <laughs> and, <laughs> like, is that like the beginning of a joke? Yeah, or, yeah, um, yeah. And so the teacher comes up to me at intermission because they see it. We're all huddled in the back. So they must have, she must have figured out. So the teacher slash nun right. um, and, <laughs> and says to me, is there any sex in the next act? <laughs> so I said, excuse me. She says, I'm here with all these girls, and uh, nobody warned us there was going to be something, expl- there was going to be explicit sex in this. And I said, explicit sex. I said, um, do they have television sex in New Zealand? I said, because I think they see a lot more on TV. I said, you didn't notice that he was fully dressed. Yes. And he's alone. (laughs) How explicit can you have a sexy when you're fully dressed and alone and never touched any part of his body at all? (laughs) But it's amazing what the isn't the imagination much better? Yeah, yeah. Fill it all in. Yeah, fill it all in. No (laughs) problem. We were playing off Broadway, and there were all these people that wanted to move into Broadway, and we had a lot of producers that wanted to move to Broadway, and um, they just wouldn't do it with the backroom seat. And Mm. I was thrilled. We're not going anywhere, and I didn't say yes until they finally said, "Wow, right. we'll move it with the backroom scene." But yeah, right. they were always scared of that. Scene. And this was actually, actually, we should say for the listeners who don't know this, these plays originated as three separate one acts. They were all one acts, is that right? Uh, yes. And, that, and at least two of them premiered at La Mama, right? Down no. All of them. Oh no, all of them. Okay, yeah. great. Yeah. Did, I did well first. I was the backroom scene, then I made it a whole play. Right. That was done at La Mama. It right. moved off Broadway. Then I wrote. Act two, we did it at La Mama. It moved off Broadway. They played it at La Mama by itself? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they each played it at La Mama. Right. And then, right. And then I wrote Act three. It was bought for Broadway. Never happened. Okay. Starring Austin Pendleton. Oh. I was going to bust the story. Anyway, that never happened. Oh. And then it took me two years to find the Glines, John Glines, oh, yeah. to produce the right. three together. Right. Yeah. First off Broadway. And, and then off, off. 
off off. Right. There's a place called the Richard Allen Center, which is across mm. from Lincoln Center. The building's not even there oh, anymore. Uh, Sixth floor walk up. Uh, somebody somebody stopped me um, at a at a show the other day and said I was in the audience the night that it was raining so hard that during the third act, while you were fighting with your mother, you were moving potted plants under the drips from the ceiling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it was one of those productions. We changed the sets ourselves. Oh wow! You know Matthew Broderick and yeah. Estelle Gettleman at that time. Oh, name was oh wow! Oh, this is the woman Estelle, who would become Estelle Getty. Estelle Getty and Joel Crothers, who was a big soap yeah. opera star. Yeah. I was so in love with him <laughs> and, and Paul Joint. And um, but but my my favorite was I mean this place was such a dump. My favorite was one night she opened the the can of cookies, and there was a giant water bug on top of the cookies. Oh. Like, hello, hello. She threw them up in the air. That was like 10 <laughs> minutes of the, of the show doing that while cleaning cookies off the floor. Yeah. You know, you, you mentioned the role of your mo- of Arnold's mother, and we should probably mention that uh, the role is played by Mercedes Rule in this production. Oh. Yeah, it's a woman named Mercedes Rule. She's quite good. Um, I she has a future. Yeah, <laughs> she's she's um, she's a, a, an art. Yeah, exactly. An Oscar and a Tony winner. Yeah, right. She's halfway there. Um, what, what's she like to work with, Michael? <laughs> she is, she is a, a like a lightning bolt. She is the the greatest listener. I've ever worked with on stage. She will only respond to what you give her and she will give you whatever is happening for her right then and there. Um, she's smart. She's exciting. She's, she cares about it so much. She takes it so seriously. Is she one question that occurred to me watching it is Harvey, how much is, is she at all like your mother? Oh, that's an interesting story. So for all the years, and you know we're talking forty years now of that play existing. I would say it's not really my mother. It's based on my mother and my grandmother fighting because they always fought. And, you know, and blah blah blah. So and I always said that. And it's, you look at any interview, and the interviews articles will all say it's really Harvey's mother and grandmother fighting. And uh, dress rehearsal. My brother came, and uh, this production of this production. Okay. My oh, brother I came. Know that. Yeah, I don't oh. think you know this story. Oh no, you'll, I don't. Tell, you'll tell Mercedes. With me okay. I sort of love it though. So anyway, so uh, for the third act, I was watching from all the way in the back, and he watched the first two two plays down front, and then he came back and sat with me for the third. And um, and I saw him starting to cry, um, even in the funny parts at the beginning, and um, he just kept crying and crying and crying. And um, and at the end, we were supposed to go over to Billy Porter, and Stark Sand had gone back into. Um, Kinky Boots, Kinky Boots yeah. that night. So Kinky Boots, by the way, party. with a book written by Harvey Fires. Yes, based on a book. Somebody said, no, he didn't write the musical. He wrote the book. Uh, <laughs> it's based oh. on the book by Harvey. But anyway, so he was supposed, we were supposed to go to a party. He said, no, I just want to go home. And he left, and I thought, you know, maybe he didn't feel well. Anyway, he calls me the next morning, and this is all I hear. That was mom, wasn't it? Wow. I said, uh, he said, why did you always say that it wasn't? And I said, well, the woman was alive. I didn't want to insult her. I didn't want people thinking she was as mean as she sort of was. And I said, she did come around and all that. And he said, I just sat there going, my mother said that. Wait, my mother said that. Well, oh, my mother said that. And it's something he didn't notice before. For 40 years. Yeah, wow. He's heterosexual. They're slow. <laughs> you know how those people are. <laughs> but, but isn't that, isn't, that, isn't, that, isn't that unbelievable? He finally figured it out. Wow. Yeah. He, and he just. And what did your mom heart. say when she saw the play? Oh, she loved the play. Oh, my God. She and Estelle were friends. Mm. They became friends. And 
uh, uh, yeah, they became close. Yeah, I mean, Stella was the housewife from Queens, you know, who used, she was a big fan of mine who used to come to all my shows, you know, way before Tort Song, the three plays of Tort Song. She kept saying, put a, put a mother in your show, put a mother in your show, I'll play it, put a mother. And I said, you, you, she came up to my, to my belly button. And I thought, <laughs> okay, I'll put a mother in. It'll be very funny to have this little tiny thing come, come on stage. And I mean, you know, Estelle wore her own clothes. That was her own wig. That oh, wow. was her own Miami purse. It was her own bag. You know, the oranges came in. You know, she didn't know it was funny. She, <laughs> she actually was that woman. I mean, Mercedes is a brilliant, brilliant actress. She is not that woman. Yeah. Estelle was that woman, which was funny. But for my brother, it was a, it was a really emotional wow. thing wow. that he went through. Do you, Michael... Have you perfected your Harvey Firestein impression? And can you do it right now? I've never heard him do it. So I put my fingers in my ear. La, 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 la. Mary, you can put your fingers in your ear. <laughs> there was a point where I thought maybe that that, I, that they would. I, when I first was like really planning on doing it, I was like, is there any place where I could do Harvey in the play? Like that, like maybe the drag queen. Maybe the drag persona spoke mm-hmm. like that, you yeah. know, but it, it, it there's only There's only one happen. line in the play that you could do it. Which is it? Which when is you it? You answer the phone at the end of Fugue. You know, when you're waking ha- up in the morning. Happy Hope for the Bewildered. Yeah, that's the only, that's the only place that I, would, that I could think that, that you could Are you going to do that tonight? That. No, yeah, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I, I, well, I could do, I could. But he's a, the, that's the reason that I'm even teasing about it. I mean, uh, I don't know if you noticed, but he does it dead on impression of three of the people in that play. <laughs> he, does, yeah. he does Mercedes. And he does and he does Michael Rosen. And you do and you do Ward also. I do Ward a little bit too. What, what do you do Ward? I forget. Uh, the original wide plank oak floor. Oh right. Yeah. yeah. So right. he's yeah. And so he so he lampoons the people on stage with him. Yeah. So. And <laughs> Harvey, do you have a Michael Urie impression? No. Oh. Okay. I do. Do you? Yes, but Come I would on. never do it. Come he on. has to go on stage every night. Uh, okay. It would make it, I mean, it's like you know, you know, when you when when the last thing you ever want to tell an actor who's doing something funny is, oh, and when you did this, it was so because they will never be able to do it again. That's so right? true. You don't want. You don't. You don't ever. A mirror is the worst thing you can give an actor. That's why. Do you read reviews? I don't read reviews for that reason. Because like, it'll, even if it's good, it'll be like, this was good. And it's like, that was good? Oh, that was good. Okay. Right. No, you know what I say about reviews? If they're good, you'll see them in front of the theater. Right. If they're bad, your friends will read them to you. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> right. You find out no matter I mean, what. Yeah, but yeah. no, yeah. but you have to see what he said. I can't believe he said. Do you know what he said about yeah. you? He said uh, you were yeah. done. Yeah. Yeah, friends will call you. Well, I could talk to the both of you for at least two more hours, but oh, okay. uh, we are out of time. So thank you for th- both for being here. Thank I really you. appreciate it. Nice to talk to you. one question on the test about geology. <laughs> <laughs> that was Harvey Firestein and Michael Urie on their revised version of Torch Song, now playing at Off-Broadway's Second Stage Theater. On the next episode of Stagecraft, I'll be talking to Jonathan Groff, the Broadway favorite from Hamilton and Spring Awakening, who's now headlining David Fincher's buzzy new Netflix series, Mindhunter. Until then, see you at the theater.
ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There is enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. <laughs> 